We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. An eight-second difference in the game in shot clocks here at the end of regulation. They come to double Durant. Wainwright with eight to shoot. Back to KD with six. Durant driving on Hardaway. Pull-up jumper. Durant got it! And Phoenix has a two-point lead. 35 for Durant in just his third game as a son. Welcome to the Timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast. My name is Mike, here with Sam. Sam, how you doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. It was a good weekend for Suns basketball. Um, Back after, let's see, when was the last time we recorded? Right after the debut. Mm -hmm. So we've had two games since then. Two Mm -hmm. games, two Mm -hmm. W's. And uh, yeah, excited to uh, get into it again. An undefeated week capped off by a win against the Dallas Mavericks on... ABC, an 11 a.m. win, you know, 11 a.m. here in Phoenix. 11 a.m. for you. Yeah, I feel like it's rare for the Suns to win in the morning uh, because it's just, I think those those games are West Coast teams go east, even though it's not that far east, it's still east, and then play in the morning. I feel like those are often tough for the Suns. They lost against Milwaukee in their last loss and then won against Luka and the Mavs, which was very satisfying, I would say. Very, very satisfying. I mean, it was also just from a neutral standpoint. Obviously, you want the Suns to win, but it was an excellent game. Yeah. And really the was. way that people are talking about it, <laughs> the the national perspective was already trying to force this kind of Suns-Dallas first-round series uh, onto all of us as, like, you know, just kind of wish-casting. That's that's what all of them <laughs> wanted. But But now, especially, that feels like the matchup that everyone is rooting for. I'm not personally there. There are teams I'd rather play in the first round, but if it happens, it happens, and I think it's going to be excellent basketball, and I think it's going to be really fucking fun and <laughs> funny at times. And yeah. um, and frustrating and annoying. And frustrating. <laughs> the and, fans and, and, are out of control and, on both sides of this. And potentially infuriating, but yeah. it's going to be a circus, and for those of us who, to an extent, like to embrace the circus that is being a basketball fan on social media... Uh, I, I don't think you're going to get more for your mileage than a Suns versus Mavs playoff series right now. We can definitely say that. 
Uh, the game was close. KD hit the hit the game winner essentially. And then the only thing that was missing at that point of the game, where the Mavs were just about to take the ball out, was some sort of altercation. <laughs> Monty wisely checked Akogi into the game. Akogi checked Luka Doncic. Luka pushed him off at the rim, missed the game winner, and then we got the altercation. And the altercation, of course, saves Luka from any criticism of missing the game-tying shot. And now everyone's only talking about the altercation, which reminded me of when Jokic slapped campaign in the face and was ejected in an elimination game in the playoffs and it was followed by an altercation with Devin Booker and then people talked more about the altercation than the fact that the MVP slapped a role player in the face and was ejected in an elimination game and it's like look I love I love the trash talk personally and I like altercations I think it's exciting but it is not good for the discourse. <laughs> Everyone loses track of what actually happened in the game when two guys kind of touch foreheads. It seems like that's all it takes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that Jokic and, uh, and Luka, man, a couple of sly characters are able to sort of change the narrative on us. Yeah, that's what they do. They just look for Booker, Booker and just get in his face and, and try and <laughs> figure out a way to, I don't know, change the narrative, exactly. But I do think most people that I saw <laughs> were on the so-called right side of history here. Yeah. Like, if you like altercations, I don't care if you're a Mavericks fan or even a Luka fan, but as long as you're willing to accept that that behavior from both guys and, and the whole trash-talking thing, oh, my God, we had to go over the... Oh, it's so annoying, re yes. Retread the same steps. Why do people have to learn that Devin Booker is a trash-talker every year? How do we have this conversation every year like by now do people not know or do they just enjoy parroting the same takes that they had two three years ago over and over and over again yeah i think it's a straw man thing for a lot of people that they know but they pretend they don't know um <laughs> it's i don't know man it's but yeah so there there are a few people out there there are a few bad faith actors who for some reason like it when luka Doncic trash talks after a win yeah. uh, and and are not willing to accept the same behavior from Booker. I think we're going to continue to call those people out and um yeah, those people those people suck. Here's, here's they, the they truth just too. suck. The whole idea of talking trash when you're up compared to talking trash when you're down is that it is a catch 22 no win situation. If you talk trash while you're down, they'll say scoreboard. Why would you talk trash when you're down? You're not even winning. If you talk trash when you're winning, they'll say why are you only talking trash when you're winning. It all is fake. It's it's not a real it's just conversation. It's, it's just all posturing. posturing. Yeah. yeah. It's like if you like the player, you'll say something about it that you like. If you dislike the player, you'll use one of those disingenuous arguments to discount whatever happened. And it's and it's what's frustrating about it is it's like this weird WWE style kayfabe at this point that not just the players are participating in, the fans are as well. It's not real arguments. They're having fake arguments yeah. online for the show of it, which is why I think I actually liked what Lucas said. I don't care if I agree with it. And I, I mean, I ultimately, I think the idea of what he's saying is kind of dumb, but I like that he said <laughs> it because I think he believes it. And I like what Booker said, which is that all of you are asking for this old school style battle where players don't like each other and now you're a getting it. Why are you complaining percent, about it? A thousand percent. That was a fantastic answer from Booker. Yeah. A fantastic it, answer. What's great about it is he's basically saying, yes, I don't like him. 
<laughs> and like it's basically on the record now and it is what it is i you know i don't know i don't think they play again for the rest of the season i think that's the end of the season series yes yeah, series tied to two yeah and you know if they play in the playoffs i guess we'll see what happens at that so point. be it, it doesn't and seem it'll like, be fun and, yeah. and and both both guys will be annoying like both of these guys are annoying. They talk trash. They complain to the refs. But as long as you're willing to admit that both guys, if you're wearing any rational cap whatsoever, if you have any rational thought, you understand that these two guys are effectively doing the same thing. Yeah. But as Booker would say, they're just competitors, just doing their thing. It would be fun to watch. Ultimately, yeah, I think the Suns are the better basketball team too, and that's that's most important to me. Yeah, I think so too. I think they have more of a well-rounded team as far as offense and defense. But I think it ended, you know, Booker got the win this time, like you said, 2-2. Obviously, Luka has that playoff win over Booker no matter what. That's why these playoffs matter this year. If Suns win a title, nothing else matters. But what happened today since then, we're recording on Monday, Devin Booker won Player of the Week, which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is the first time he's won this season. The only other Player of the Week for the Suns this season. Do you remember who it was? Holy shit, we have another Player of the Week this season? Yeah. I actually can't. DeAndre it? No, it was DeAndre Ayton. Ayton. It was DeAndre Ayton. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. DeAndre yep, Ayton won Player Ayton. of the Week. Now, the stats are not wow. as eye-popping for DeAndre, and I'll read them out for Devin Booker's. Uh, 36 points per game, 7.7 assists per game, 5.3 rebounds, one block, uh, You know, really high shooting, 3-0 and record, 56% from the field, 50% from three, basically scoring at a really, really high rate on difficult shots, too, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But The 3-0 um, record. Incredible week. Uh, not a week that I think many of us expected necessarily. Yeah, we'll talk um, about that. I'm excited to talk about that. Yeah, well, okay. I can I can save that if you want. It, I was just going to say important to go 3-0 and if you want to win that award. Yeah. Because if you lose even a single game, then they'll give it to someone with better stats uh, or, 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 sorry, potentially worse stats, but a better record. They do it every single time. So um, the Suns got those three Ws. That was all that. That was the most critical thing there. If the Suns keep winning, and not not that this matters all, all that much right now, but I was just thinking about it as this player of the week came through. If the Suns keep winning and Devin Booker keeps playing at this high of a level, I think there's a chance that he can secure a spot on the All-NBA team once again. MVP? Uh, <laughs> I don't think the MVP is on the are table. We going, are we <laughs> going to bat for it two <laughs> years in a row if, if they were out of love, 17, sure, 18? we could do it. Here? Why not? Uh, you know, if they might end up the two seed in the West after all. I just, I love the idea of everyone's trying to drive the, the Jokic versus, I don't know, maybe some people are on team Embiid, this MVP. I just want the Suns to <laughs> rattle off 17, 18 wins straight here. Let's muck up. <laughs> Let's muck it up. Let's just throw some garbage yeah. at the, at the MVP race and I'll be first in line to sling the garbage. That's, that's who I am. I'm, I'm a garbage right slinger. You. I'm right there with you. At the very least, it'll be funny. Uh, let's talk about... Okay, I wanted to frame this conversation. We have three games with Kevin Durant right now. Obviously, Charlotte, Chicago, and then Dallas. Now, of course, this is all small sample size stuff, but the at the end of the season, that's all we're going to have. It's going to be a small sample size. And so these three games are basically, I don't know, one-sixth, one-seventh of the total rest of the games that we're going to get. And uh, I wanted to talk about what we expected and what we didn't expect from this. So we're going to talk about things we expected and things we didn't expect. We did maybe five podcasts in a playback before Kevin Durant joined the Suns talking about, before he actually played a game, I should say, talking about <laughs> what we thought it would look like 
with Kevin Durant on the Suns. So we all had ideas. You, I, you know, people we talked with as well had a bunch of ideas of what it would look like. So I thought this was a good time to sort of compare those with what we've actually seen on the court so far. I made a list of some things. You made a list of some things. And we can just, uh, we can just alternate with ever, whatever we want to choose. How about that? I love small sample size theater. It's one of my favorite things. It's, it's got that fresh October, November smell this podcast does we get to pretend like it's super early in the season even though they just made a game changing a franchise altering move uh (laughs) at like game number 60 in the season which never happens all right do you want me to go first you can go first okay uh wait wait okay wait how are we structuring this are we doing things we expected first and then choose whatever you want i think we can jump around yeah jump around things we expected things we didn't expect whatever you want to talk about so all right i'll start with something we expected and this is just a very easy one, and I figured it was a good place to start. The uh, Suns Kev- are good. Kevin Durant fits pretty <laughs> <Sorry>. well <laughs> on this yeah. team. Good and, place uh, to start. Yeah, I mean, he just offensively he slides right in. I think it. You know, we can talk about how things we didn't expect in this category, but I think it looks slightly different than I anticipated it looking, in that they're running things a little different than I expected. Uh, but he's he just fits right in. I mean, his efficiency so far on the Suns is absurd. His efficiency this season is absurd, so there's not a huge surprise there as far as him just fitting in. I think defensively, it kind of looks like we anticipated as it, as it pertains to just Kevin Durant. And yeah, I mean, he's the type of player, I think, with KD. Put him on any team, he fits. You know, it's going to work. He makes shots, He plays well off the ball, plays well on the ball, makes good decisions with the ball. And we're seeing that happen. I think he fits pretty well. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. He does fit pretty well. I think the two-way impact is there. Um, I'm just going to like segue this kind of into one of mine because it's related. It's, okay. it's like a subset of yours. Um, but so I said KD, think something we expected. KD is going to dominate from the mid-range elbow area. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that kind of goes in tandem with he fits well because it just demonstrates your point of like, the Suns, and, and we talked about this before as well on pods, the Suns didn't have to make too many alterations to integrate this guy into their system. There are things that they're changing up slightly, but for the most part, KD can just come in, they can run the elbow sets, they can have him catch uh, an, an ISO in the mid post, and he's just going to dominate like that. It doesn't take all too much effort to integrate him offensively. So far through three games, KD has four shots in the restricted area versus 19 shots in the mid-range. For most people uh, in in the NBA in 2023, that would lend itself to a very ugly shot profile that coaches would hate uh, and that fans, analytically-minded fans, (laughs) would hate. Um, But not for Kevin Durant. He is 12 for 19 in the mid-range through three games. That's 63%. He has been awesome every time he catches in the mid-post. Uh, or, or just in the post in general, teams are sending two to the ball because he has completely upended the Sun system in the sense that he has added this new gravitational force, this this gravitational weight that simply did not exist before. And so teams are sending those, those double teams, uh, and he's just creating advantages on offense exactly like we expected him to. Again, through three games, but it looks it looks good. You know... Mikael Bridges was just asked, sorry to change the subject a little bit, but Mikael Bridges was just asked about how Jacques Vaughn, the coach of the Brooklyn Nets, mentioned something about maybe asking Mikael to take less mid-range shots or 
something to that effect about trying to focus more on getting to the rim and shooting threes and or you know getting layups and uh Mikael Bridges was asked about that and he basically said if you work hard enough your mid-range shots can become your layups and I love that quote it applies to him it applies to Chris Paul you know we've talked about it before with Chris Paul Chris Paul can't uh, you know, doesn't shoot layups. <laughs> so for him, he has to make the mid-range shots, but there's nobody in the NBA it applies to more than Kevin Durant. The most efficient mid-range season we've ever seen is what he's having so far this season. Even the game winner that he had against the Dallas Mavericks, which I thought was a pretty cool play because, I mean, he was just kind of trapped first, passed it off to Ish Wainwright. Ish Wainwright just boomeranged it right back to Kevin Durant. And then before the trap could get there, Kevin Durant just went. And he went left, and he pulled up from mid-range, shot it right into the basket. I mean, great defense, to be honest, but it just doesn't matter when you're seven feet tall and you can dribble. Yep. And you're right. Those those mid-range shots, I mean, it's absurd to watch him play. I think that's the main thing I've learned. I've seen a lot of Kevin Durant over the years, but just sort of the understanding we have of the players that play on this team and the offense they run the kind of stuff that Monty Williams is looking for, you know, that level of appreciation for the Suns just adds to your level of appreciation for what KD is capable of doing. Um, and I think that I think has been really great for me to see. Just, I agree with you dominating from the mid range is what he does. And you can't really, it's great. <laughs> looking at the Suns shot profile <laughs> so far this season is actually kind of funny to see, you know, people have been posting some like shot maps of the Suns. It's all from the mid-range area. They need to take more threes, ideally. They need to get more free throws, ideally. But look, if it's Durant shooting those shots, it doesn't matter. It's a layup. Durant can find ways to grift, too. I'm not as worried about the free throws as I used to be, and that's something I've talked about. Um, by the way, just tying into the overall, because you brought him up, Mikhail, he could get there. I don't think yeah. he's going to be KD. Like, as a no. mid-range scorer, he's not going to be KD level. Uh, I think Nets fans are getting really excited based on what they're seeing now. And maybe they need to, <laughs> to temper expectations a little bit. I do think that guy's going to be an all-star next year, and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. I was just at their game, granted, also against the Charlotte Hornets last night. <laughs> but he started first half 21 points on 9 of 9 shooting. First and quarter. And he's just... <laughs> 21 it was 17 or 19 in the first quarter it was yeah. 21 in the first half that's right that's but right. just pulling up for that little 12 or 14 footer uh every single time off balance going right going left didn't fading. matter yeah fading that's his layup now and uh and and just again that's always been kevin durant's layup uh so yeah we we never had any worries about him integrating that way look i i like watching basketball like this you know, I appreciate threes. I, you know, free throws I'm not overly excited to watch. Threes I think are fun just because they can be miraculous. There's nothing like watching Steph Curry when he's hot. Uh, but yeah, this this kind of basketball from the Suns, it's just it feels a little throwback. You know, it's it's cool to see it sort of work in the efficiency era and still be insanely efficient. And yeah, it's been fun to watch. Uh, all right, you want me to go? Yeah, uh, you want to give us something you didn't expect? Okay, let's see. Uh, let's see. I'm going to say more post-ups than mm. I thought. There we uh, go. More post-ups. Yeah. So did you have that one? Did I take one of yours? Uh, yes, but you didn't take one of mine. Okay. It's something we've been talking about. So, well, I think it was that, on the list. I think that, um, KD likes to post up and that's good. When KD posts up, at least so far for the Suns, 
they every team we've played so far, which is three teams, has immediately doubled. Just yeah, within a second, two to the ball instantly. Person. Yeah, yeah. And he sees it so fast because I'm sure that's that's been happening to him for ten years <laughs> at this point. And then they just get the ball moving. They swing it to the opposite end. Whoever's in that opposite quarter, probably usually Josh Akogi so far, is going to get a wide open three because the Suns do a good job of setting off ball screens to free up that opposite corner. Which one I'll say what's cool about that one, you got to push, you got to kind of fight to post up, especially if you're catching the ball in the post. KD does that all. It's sort of sacrificial, right? He's doing it entirely for the offense to get moving, for the ball to swing. He knows he's probably not getting a shot out of that, and it works really well. It's, it's sacrificial post up. On the other side of that, mm-hmm. he knows he's probably not getting a shot out of it. However, he could just turn around, fade, take the shot over two defenders, and honestly, it wouldn't be a bad outcome because it might it's Kevin be fucking as Durant. efficient as a Josh Okogi <laughs> three. <yeah. laughs> But, but yes, most of the time he makes the right, you're absolutely right, he's sacrificial, makes the right decision, passes out of uh, out of a double. But the other side of that is Booker is posting up a lot more. David, Our friend David uh, posts some of the stats on that. Significantly more post-ups per game. And what I find interesting about that, what we talked about is Kevin Durant is one pass away. It's always Durant passing it to, to Booker in the scenarios we've seen so far. And what's cool about that is when Devin when Durant I should say is one pass away you can't double right because the first guy that gets the ball when you swing it is Durant and that's the last thing you want is a wide open Durant shot Mm -hmm. Uh, so that leaves Booker the opportunity to work potentially against a bad defender a smaller defender whatever it's going to be and we know with Booker he's physical in post-ups he can do interesting things in those post-ups and um, I'm not sure where that came from, like if it's a Monty decision, if it's something Devin Booker asked for, if it's something Kevin Durant wanted. Uh, but I like it. I think that, you know, Booker can find ways to to do different things from the post that we, we uh, will be able to see soon. Yeah, I want to throw out the synergy stats here for both of these guys posting up. Durant, again, like we all knew where he would be. We knew he would be elite at this. <laughs> he's, he's at 1.15 points per possession from the post this season. That's the 87th percentile. Booker has traditionally been a good post-up player in his career for a shooting guard. Uh, And granted, again, small sample size theater. This is a smaller sample size he's dealing with this season versus Durant uh, and his volume. But Booker's at 1.29 points per possession in the post this season. That is the 96th percentile. I expect that that probably goes down if the volume increases. But right now... It basically could not be better. That is how awesome he has been in the post. And so, of course, any reasonable coach might look at those numbers and say, hey, that's a great part of our offense. Let's see if we can integrate that just a little bit more. The critical thing that I think you're touching on is that it's two different modes of thinking in the way that you use these guys in the post. KD catches the ball in the post. They send two men to the ball. It is... um, Every part of that decision is initiative. It's about getting the offense into motion. It's about creating that first advantage, which is going to get the defense into rotation. He can pass out. Often the guy he's passing out to is Chris Paul. Who better to make a decision with a ball in their hands than Chris Paul now who knows that there's that the that the defense is at a disadvantage? Although he's he's still a little too afraid to shoot, I think. Still a little too afraid to shoot. But we'll move the ball, we'll try and put a dribble move or two on his man, maybe pass back out to someone else who has an open three. He can get things 
flowing or, or keep them flowing. Durant is the guy who's initiating it all, and then Chris Paul can keep it moving from there, or Booker or whoever catches on the perimeter. Um, but again, just pointing out Durant, that's initiative. Booker, it's about finishing. If you want him in the post, it's not that he can't play make out of that position, but you want him specifically on a mismatch, maybe a um I don't know, maybe a player who's not necessarily known for his defense, like if yeah. he's matched up on like a Reggie Bullock. Right. Um, or maybe sometimes just a smaller player, like he yeah. was posting up Kyrie Irving in the fourth quarter of last night's point game guards. as well. Yeah. Point guards. If you Great. get a point guard on Devin Booker, that's when he likes to post up. Right. But using those guys in different modes of 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 the offense they have different roles and they will continue to have different roles even though i think we're gonna see a lot of post-ups out of both of them for the rest of the season yeah i think um basically nobody has doubled booker in a post-up yet i think we maybe see one maybe two doubles and, and it honestly it, it doesn't happen that often but i do wonder if as the attempts go up which i think they will if they start to uh, to double there i think durant has such a huge advantage when it comes to uh, when you're getting doubled is that it's just so easy for him to pass over guys. Yep. You know, Booker is seven inches shorter <laughs> basically uh, with l- not nearly as long of arms and uh, passing out of that double when you're sort of trapped with the baseline right there mm-hmm. uh, can be kind of hard. So the well, for now be, and players need to cut, right? Players need to move to the right place for him a little more than it is for, for Durant. Right. Absolutely. And, and for now defenses are still banking on the notion that, Booker regresses a little bit, maybe to his career numbers, they're going to assume that that's a 50% shot for him in the post, right? Not a 70% shot, which is what it's been this season. Um, But if he keeps it up with rising volume, there eventually could be an inflection point where they decide, hey, we can swarm this guy a little bit easier. He's 6'6". He's not seven feet tall like KD is. And maybe we do send another man to the ball in order to kind of jostle it out of his hands. Yeah, and I think for for Booker too, it's not just about... You know he can the the cool thing about Book and 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 KD it's just so cool how interchangeable these two are in the offense, but it's that for Booker he can post up shoot the turnaround fade away, or he can back you down to the rim up fake and then go up and under right at the rim, or he can just grift into a foul. There's just so many options for what he can do in that post up, and I think a lot of that will depend on how they're guarding him. Uh, but yeah, more more post ups. That's definitely something. We talked about, you know, how KD will fit in the offense. I honestly did not expect the offense to change this much. And I think the post-ups have been an example of how big of a change it's been. It's it's just much, much more than anticipated. I think this is why, you know, we, we briefly touched on, and I don't know if you have this as one of your options, Chris Paul not shooting when he catches the ball yet. It's a pretty big change as far mm-hmm. as what we're looking at. But the, pers- the person that it's probably changing the most for so far is Chris Paul just the mm-hmm. amount he's playing off the ball. And I think for him, there's going to be a little bit more of a learning curve. And for the other two guys that we're talking about in this conversation, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, you build it around them, right? They don't have to change. People change around them. And that's just yep. how it's going to be. Absolutely. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, I think it's a good segue into my next one. I don't have exactly that sad about Chris Paul's shooting, but I do have, under things we didn't expect, touches, touch stats. I wanted to bring them up because through three games, did you have this stuff? No, I find that interesting, though. Just through three games, and tell me if it surprises you or not, uh, Kevin Durant is averaging fewer touches per game than Devin Booker. Before I give you the exact number, I'll just stop it right there. Does that surprise you? Nope. I mean, I want to say there's a minutes restriction, but one of the options of things I didn't expect is that there appears to not be one because Durant played 40 minutes. He, played, he did play 40 minutes. <laughs> so, uh, in the last you know, one. but the other two games, there appeared to be some level of, of care in trying to limit Kevin Durant's minutes. So from that perspective, I guess it doesn't surprise me. Just through these three games, Booker is averaging 69 touches per game and he is playing more nice. time than Durant, but he's at 69. KD nice. is at 61. Nice. I, I heard it. Um, an eight-touch difference between these two guys. And I want to give the context as well. Chris Paul versus his number. Um, he's mm-hmm. at 70 touches per game in these three games. That makes sense because at the end of the day, even though he's not initiating as much of the offense, um, saying that like from a scoring perspective, he's still the point guard. The point guard tends to touch the ball the most. Yeah. Um, he is at 70 touches per game in these three games. He was at 75 before the trade so that number has already gone down Mm -hmm. booker's number has gone up by five touches versus where it was pre-trade and kd his number has gone down by seven touches versus where he was with the brooklyn nets yeah so just based on who booker was booker was averaging 64 pre-trade kd was at 68 with the nets so kd ahead of booker just through these three games they flipped Booker handling the ball more than KD so far. It's a little surprising. And and I do want to say also, it's not just about these guys playing together. There have been so many minutes I think we've seen already with just Book and bench guys or just KD and bench guys. And I think there have been some mildly surprising things within those minutes as well. Yeah, I, th- I think um, the Chris Paul part of that is particularly interesting i actually expected that to go down more you know i think uh we expected chris paul to have a lot of assists in these you know as this offense gets rolling and and he has he has had a lot of assists i do think there was a stretch in um the boston game where he was passing to wide open shooters and they weren't hitting uh, r.i.p josh Okogi, 0 for 8 in that game the, um, the Dallas game you mean in the Dallas game I should say yeah and I think uh, you know for Chris Paul those are normally assists at least 40% of the time uh, f- to wide open shooters when they're not going to be in the same way 
and the Suns have to find ways to mitigate when they're not guarding a guy like Josh Kogi and the shots aren't falling. I think they did the right thing in the Dallas game most of the time in that you got to test it. You have to test it um, because if they do fall, they're unguardable. And if they don't fall, then you can adjust and they did. But uh, yeah, like, like, like I said, I think with Chris Paul, it's not even like we haven't even seen that many pick and rolls. There is the double drag, you know, uh, KD will be that second screener in a double drag, but there's just not a ton of the offense is, is stagnant. Okay, give it to Chris Paul at the top of the key. We're going to set a screen with DeAndre and because it's just not the best option anymore. It, you know, <laughs> it's not. Now we have the idea, oh, the offense is stagnant. Just pass it to Kevin Durant and whatever he does is going to be fine or give it to Devin Booker and whatever he does is going to be fine. Yeah. And I think, you know, it not being that option when there's 10 seconds on the shot clock for, for Chris Paul is going to be the most interesting change in his career. And it had to happen at some point in order for him to continue playing on good teams. It's funny, though, because while I absolutely agree that that's the case, when all of those guys are sharing the floor, it's going to be option number three or four. Yeah. It's still weird to me because, like, we've seen these bench lineups of KD and and. Uh, Cameron Payne will be out there as point guard and it doesn't even matter I kind of need to single campaign out because it almost doesn't even matter who else is on the floor (laughs) has it it not seemed strange to you maybe KD's lack of aggression in some of these minutes in particular the Suns are just trading off possession of here's KD at the elbow he's doing his thing and then an ill-timed kind of rush to the basket from Cam or maybe a pass out to some shooter or some kind of semi-shooter who can't really create their own shot, whether it's Damian Lee or, or, or whoever else. Uh, it's The offense still looks kind of jarring in those particular minutes. Yeah. And it's like KD is head and shoulders above the rest of those guys Literally. as the <laughs> most talented, way, yeah. way more talented than anyone else on the floor. So it's it's been interesting to me so far because, yes, um, you know, Booker and KD can be options number one and two when everyone's sharing the floor, when the starters are on the floor. Yeah. Um, but they also, I mean, KD could, he could have scored 35 or 40 points in all of these games if he wanted to. And it's a little interesting to me that he's kind of yeah. held off. Well, I think in those minutes in particular, which by the way, we weren't sure what they were going to do, but they are, they're trying to stagger Book and KD essentially, you know, starting and ending every half with both of them on the floor as much as possible. You know, it didn't always happen. I think there was one half that they didn't close with KD when the minutes restriction was there. But, you know, playing the first quarter with Book, starting the second quarter with KD, those kinds of things are happening right now. But what I think we've seen so far is this is a bit bit of the learning curve that we're going to have because it's sort of, it's easier to figure out the offense with the starters, obviously. No surprise there. But when the offense starts with Kevin Durant with the bench, they're just trapping him. And when they trap him, he's just passing because he makes the right read immediately. And then then you have like Jock Landale, Cameron Payne, and, you know, Terrence Ross trying to figure out the best shot because Kevin Durant has effectively been taken out of it. And that's when he starts with the ball in his hands. So I think there's going to be, if they continue with those kinds of lineups, which I'm not against because I think the idea of figuring out how to use some bench guys with KD is, is useful. Um, Absolutely. For the long run. I think they're going to have to find ways to to start the play with the ball in somebody else's hands. Whether that be, I think at this point, the obvious person is campaign. Uh, But if they can find somebody else who's capable of dribbling, 
And then Kevin Durant's come coming flying around screens instead of, you know, starting the pick and roll at the top of the key. It's just going to be a lot harder to trap him. So, you know, that's the kind of thing I anticipate as far as how they're going to change that up because it's just, I agree with you. It's just not quite working because it's too easy. And look, the same goes for when Kevin Durant's off the floor and Devin Booker's on the floor uh, without him. They're just trapping Devin Booker as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, it makes sense because those teams are effectively one star teams in those scenarios. And you're, you're relying on a team that has a bunch of guys who are making the minimum salary <laughs> to try and score at that point. And that's what happens when you have most of your cap space tied up with four players. Teams are going to force you to try and do those kinds of things. I, yeah. I don't know how you feel about this. I know we've mentioned it before, but Shamit would help right now, right? <laughs> I, I did. Say I mean, Shamit's going to help. You were joking in my replies. I actually think he would help more defensively now than anything. I still don't really trust in his offense, but but yeah. Um, Terrence Ross, I'm not feeling it so far. I'll yeah. say that. We don't need to do an extended segment. Well, uh, I have that. Yet or any- do you <laughs> I have, have that, that as in- things that we'll go, we'll go to it right now? Things we didn't expect. expect. Uh, Terrence Ross is worse than I thought defensively. <laughs> okay, defensively. go for it. I give he's you the just, floor. He's very bad. He's very bad on defense. He can't. Do you ever. Um, Mm-hmm. Go ahead. He can't fight over screens. He's over fouling. He's behind on rotations. He's helping when he shouldn't help. Look, I don't know if I need to continue listing things that he's bad at. That's why but, I don't <laughs> want to pick on him too much, yeah. but uh, but I want to pick on him a little bit. Like, have you ever? Did you ever watch Chris Move back in the day? He's one of the OG YouTubers for for 2K content. I don't know if you were like an NBA 2K. I know you play the game. But Wait, I'm sorry. Who was it? Chris Move. He's, oh yeah, he's yeah. like of course, of course, yeah. Of course. Oh, just like one of those guys has been doing NBA 2K stuff for years one of those and years. Guys. Just has, has a number of catchphrases, right? Uh, every time I watch Terrence Ross on defense, I just have Chris Smooth's voice running through on loop <laughs> in the back of my head. Give that man a map. Give that man a manual. That's just what I'm thinking because every possession, there is a breakdown for Terrence Ross. Not every possession, but too many possessions so far. And I have to be honest, I kind of was afraid this would happen. He well, still has I, time I to get it, it together. Bad, but it's worse. That's why I have it on the thing I didn't expect. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess I, just the the connectivity issue defensively is huge. The amount of times that guys were not and and by the way, Terrence Ross, maybe so that we avoid a situation where we only single him out. Not just him. Yeah. Uh, why do you think T.J. Warren's not playing minutes, folks? Yeah. Because when he's on the floor, it's the exact same problem. Not staying connected through guys on screens. Just giving up an advantage too easily and too early in the shot clock on defense. And that's why we see some of these other role players who on the flip side, I want to give them their praise. I'll maybe hold off a couple minutes for it. Um, But some of the guys who are earning Monty's favor and and, and are going to earn minutes uh, for the next few weeks, it's it's for a very specific reason. It's for the defense. Yep. Look, I, I, I want Terrence Ross to be good. I think that he could be a really valuable offensive player for the team. And I think there's a chance he'll get better defensively. I, I do think that, like, conceptually, not to shit on another team here, but the Suns' a defensive schemes being more complicated than Orlando's, it's probably true. It's probably a little bit harder to get up to speed with the Suns defensively and and you could see that for a lot of these games Monty is heavily leaning on the players that were here before any of these moves outside of Kevin Durant no surprise Kevin Durant could pick up on it but other guys I think it you know it's gonna be a little bit of a learning curve and you know for TJ 
for Terrence Ross in particular, they deserve an opportunity to try to get better. But the issue is with Terrence Ross is I'm not sure how many shots he's going to get in general. Like he's, you know, even if he plays significant minutes for this team, most of the time he'll probably just get a few every game. So if you're only taking a few shots a game, should get a few. Yeah, he should. Yeah. If I mean, if taking it a few wouldn't shots stop a game, him from, yeah, you got to do other things. You have yeah. to. And, and for the Suns, that usually means defensively, which is, it's just especially tough for him to, to do that. So I hope he gets All better. Right. Now that we've crapped on Terrence Ross, want to give a shout out things we expected. Yeah. That some, not necessarily all, but some role players would be empowered to play their best basketball yes. next to Kevin Durant. And I do think that that has been the case for a few guys that we need to shout out. I got First one. of all, yeah. business, first order of business. Mm-hmm. Some of y'all really owe Ish Wainwright an apology. Thank you. <laughs> Some of you people out there, absolutely, because I think you've made the point before of Suns fans need to rein in their expectations of what these guys who are on minimum contracts uh, are expected to do, especially after wins. Why are we complaining after wins? That's a whole <laughs> other thing. Maybe we're, maybe we're not going to get into that today. I like it, but but. Ish Wainwright comes in after kind of losing his spot. First of all, he already was shooting the ball pretty well previously before the trade. Trade happens. Two games happen. He doesn't really get off the bench. Maybe he gets off the bench for a couple minutes, but he's not significantly involved in the rotation. And then we get yesterday, and Josh Okogie is 0 for 8 from deep after like 20 minutes. And Monty has to make the very difficult decision to pull him for someone in the fourth quarter to give the Suns a chance to win that game. He's not going to pull him. For Terrence Ross or TJ, who, as we as we just mm-hmm, said, mm-hmm. have not been playing good defense, it's good that they can maybe make a shot, but you need a guy who's not going to be exploited defensively. Ish Wainwright came in, and he made he knocked down four threes. He went four or five total. He played great defense. He moved the ball. He pump faked on his threes to keep the ball flowing, keep the advantage offensively. Um, he just did absolutely everything uh, we, we could have asked of him in his limited minutes last night. He was awesome, and I think he might be the go-to backup option, like the break glass in case of Josh Okogie emergency option for the Suns for the rest of the season, right? Like if it's not working with Josh Okogie, because now, as we know, he's another guy who's obviously been awesome, but if he doesn't have it going on a particular night, who's the next guy you go to? For Monty Williams, that very well may become Ish Wainwright. Uh, and honestly, I think he's earned it. Yeah, I think um, he was awesome, which you're absolutely right about that. But the thing with him that I thought was particularly interesting in that game was he was guarding Kyrie for a little bit of that game. And I think we've talked about his improvements defensively. We were very supportive of him being converted into a full contract player, especially with a team option. I think that was a great idea for the Suns. Uh, but being capable and able to guard ball handlers is going to be really important for him. I think this Dallas team was a really interesting challenge for the Suns defensively because they have two guys that are really, really great ball handlers in Kyrie and Luka. A lot of the game that ended up with Devin Booker being sort of put through the uh, defensive rotations on any of these guys. He Devin Booker was essentially the second guy guarding whoever the other ball handler was. You know, sometimes it was Luka. Most of the time it was Kyrie Irving. You put somebody like Ish Wainwright in, he guarded both of them. (laughs) 
And if you have any player that's capable of doing that, even for short periods of time, I'm not saying start him right now. Maybe he earns a starting spot. I don't know. But anyone who's capable of doing that for short stints is going to play in the playoffs. And that's the important thing uh, for somebody like him. You know, you talked about what I described as resetting your expectations, reset them. Because when we were talking about role players for the Suns in the past, the Suns didn't have enough scoring. You know, we were talking about guys like Jordan Clarkson, you know, stuff like that. They have guys now. They have two superstars, two potentially top 10, top 15 players at worst uh, in the NBA on their team right now. So when you reset your expectations around those two guys, what you need is guys who do other things really well. It's really important to have guys who do other things well. I mean, of course you want another star, but you're not going to get one. So this is what we're looking at. That means Ish Wainwright is going to play over guys like Terrence Ross at times. And I think, you know, we talked about starting. Okogi started. That's going well. One of the things I think we expected. It's, on it's my still list. going well. Yeah, yeah. that's that's And important. I think you should yep. still do it, right? The yep. 0 for 8 notwithstanding. But it doesn't mean you have to close with Josh Okogi, right? This team is built in a way that you have really only two guys you know for sure are closing the game. And that's Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. Ideally, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, DeAndre, and that fifth guy can just be whoever is playing well in that game. Whoever the matchup dictates needs to close the game. And it's important to have professionals and people who are ready and people who are willing to play hard. And credit to Ish Wainwright, didn't even play in the first half at all and came in in the second half and absolutely killed it. I think he had four threes, including a huge three at the end. But I think with him... I'm going to keep an eye on very closely to see how often they use him to guard ball handlers. Cause mm-hmm. we talked about him as like a potential five essentially with KD on the floor uh, and, and how he could potentially guard fives. Imagine he's a capable guy of guarding one through five. You know who that sounds like PJ Tucker. It's the guy that we talked about when he first signed with the Suns as the potential guy he could build up into. Now he's nowhere yeah. near that good yet. I just want to say <laughs> no, that defensively. I, I'm, I'm just going to, pump the brakes a little bit and say i'm still skeptical of um, yeah but it's this in the second mold half of coming that, to right? fruition it's, just, it's yeah. in the mold of that's what they're trying to do with him for and me I, it's like can you guard three through five yeah that's enough for me can you guard two through five that's fantastic that would be fantastic absolutely point guards yeah. we'll see yeah i think it'll be interesting to see the matchups because like if the suns end up playing the clippers in the in the playoffs you don't really need like Maybe you start Ish. You know, you don't really need someone to guard their... If it's Russ starting, don't guard him at all. <laughs> Ideally, just ignore him. You don't really need a Kogi out there hounding Russ as much as you might need Ish Wainwright out there hounding Paul George or Kawhi Leonard. And that would be an interesting thing to... It's 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 just really smart that the Sun signed Ish. You and I have always been on that page, I think. Some people didn't get there. I was surprised by some of the responses for Ish Wainwright signing when he did because a lot of people seem disappointed by that, but I hope they're uh, back on board at, at, at the very least after that Dallas game. And another guy, by the way, cause this segment, I didn't just want to talk about Ish Jock Landale. Yeah. <clears throat> after you finish apologizing to Ish, <laughs> <laughs> you got to turn around and apologize to Jock Landale now too, because I also think he's kicking ass and he's kicking ass again in, in the same sort of ways that are not, immediately noticeable although some of them are 
He's been phenomenal on the offensive glass for a long time now, but especially over the recent stretch. Um, he's running so hard. He's running the floor so hard in transition, working to seal. Um, I think Kevin Durant notices that effort. I think those two have established an early rapport, which is really promising. And yeah, I mean, Jock is a minimum contract guy. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he's going to miss bunnies, you know? Like his finishing numbers are not ideal, uh, but they're still not bad for what he is. And and I think he shoots less than four times a game. He deserves you know? some credit. Yeah, for yeah. a guy who who shoots, if you shoot less than four times a game, but you're creating extra possessions because you get four offensive rebounds and you seal off a bunch of guys early in the shot clock in a way that creates open lanes for Kevin Durant. You sprint down the floor in transition and now a shooter is wide open. You don't even touch the ball. It's entirely sacrificial. And you do that in transition both ways. Jock Landale never gets beat down the floor. He's the first guy... You know, there might be one or two guys behind him and that's it, but he's never the last guy. Probably because he recognizes that's how he's staying in the league 100%. right now. 100%. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is what you get from a back. I think this is a great example of expectations being off. What do you want from a backup center other than the 100 miles an hour all the time? Because the energy from a backup center can go a long ways from that specific position almost more than any other one. Because just getting to the ball first, just fighting for the ball, just running down the court, those things make a big difference. You might not even get any stats at all, and you can still make a big difference. And look, I want to mention, just from his finishing, he had one bad game uh, in this last three-game stretch, two for seven from Charlotte. Still was good in that game and has made every shot since then, four for four in the two games since then, and has a massive impact without taking a lot of shots. It's a great example of what a role player can be on the Suns and how they can make a big difference without necessarily putting up a lot of stats. I, I agree with you. Jock Landell's been good. And look, I'm thinking with what you're talking about with the energy big, I'm thinking back to the Suns Western Conference Finals around 2010. Lou Amundsen. Lou vibes. Amundsen, yeah. That's, that's the type of player we're talking about. We're not having massive expectations here. Just create extra possessions through your hard work. That's what he's been doing. So yep. keep playing him. And he sets great screens, which great, I yep. think is something with Kevin Durant. If you set a great screen and they're not doubling, they're not trapping, that's a bucket. You know, that's literally all it takes with Kevin Durant. So, I mean, it's going to be a valuable. I think those two guys and their synergy, I, I imagine we're going to see them play more minutes together as this thing goes. And I think it'll be interesting. Um, do you want to stay on centers here and talk about DeAndre? And I have one for him. Sure. That's great. This is a combination of things we expected and things we did not expect. Because Aiton is scoring less, which we talked about is going to happen but it's a lot less and i think that the extent to which he's scoring less is more than i anticipated now i want to preface all of this by saying i think he's been good in the last three games deandre Hayton. there was a stretch in the chicago game most of the game if i'm being honest where the defense wasn't great and i think they were specifically targeting him uh, in 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 a stretch for that Chicago game where I you know I hope we don't see a lot of that going forward. He Okogi fell into his knee. He played the next game with a sore knee, which was this Dallas game, and I thought he did great in this Dallas game. The fouls are higher than we've seen in the past. They're trying new things with him. I anticipated this as well. It's okay. We did six point seven field goal attempts per game. Six point seven in the last three games for DeAndre and averaging ten points and 11 rebounds. What do you think about DeAndre and scoring that much less 
so far than his average. It's it's certainly yeah, it's more of a drop off I think than we anticipated, but it kind of makes sense. 18 points per game on the season, just to clarify, it's almost 50% less. Yeah, it kind of makes sense too just because of what we were talking about earlier in the episode. I think the Chris Paul high screen pick and roll plays have also dropped off more than anticipated. So to a certain extent, it's like, well, where exactly is DA getting his points? There are going to be some games where he has five, six, seven offensive rebounds for sure. So far in KD's tenure, he just hasn't happened to have one of those games so far. And so he's not getting his points there. He's not getting his points from the Chris Paul pick and roll. These other plays, which are great, awesome plays for, you know, elbow for KD or, or, or Devin Booker or, you know, whatever. Um, when DeAndre does touch the ball in those actions, he's often it's he's like the third or fourth or fifth guy sometimes to touch the ball. So it's just going to happen less and less. And, you know, I think that makes sense. Um, are, are you like worried about this, though? Because I think it's it's one thing to notice that it exists as a trend. And it's another thing to actively be worried about it. So. I don't care about the scoring very much at all. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, <laughs> then I think we're on the same is, page about there that. There is one way to be concerned about it. And I'm not this person, but there's been a lot of discourse on this so far. And that is people saying he needs to be given the ball in order to be engaged on everything else. And I, I'll be honest, if we're not past that at this point on this team, that's a massive red flag. You know, like people, people see DeAndre and seal and then not get the ball right because he's two and a half seconds in the paint and has to leave. And they couldn't get the ball to him fast enough. And they think, wow, now he's not going to play defense. I don't think that's necessarily true. Maybe it has been in the past. Maybe that's something that people believe is real. But people don't see a guy wide open in the corner for three seconds and say, wow, he's not going to play defense anymore because he was wide open in the corner and they didn't pass to him. Hmm. There has to be sacrifice on this team in order for them to win a title. There has to be. And okay. look, I, I just, I'm not, I'm not there. I'm not really concerned about it. I'm not going to be that person. I think that DeAndre knows how good this team is. And I expect him to continue playing hard by setting screens, getting rebounds, had a massive putback in the game against Dallas. And if the effort drops off because he's not getting the ball enough, it's not a problem with the Suns. I, I don't think. I actually really love the the point you made there about no one questions the guy who stands in the corner for three seconds and doesn't get the ball about are they going to play defense. It's It draws an interesting contrast between these role players who are corner three-point shooters or wing three-point shooters or whatever and bigs and what we expect of the two of them. And it almost makes me wonder, no way in hell does this happen for the rest of this season because we know what DeAndre Ayton needs to do right now. He needs to clean up on the glass and be that physical enforcer in order for the Suns to win a championship. But next season, if we're keeping this core together, does the KD trade change our our perception of like the whole Deion trying to turn DeAndre into a stretch five? Is that maybe something that happens next season? We we try and embrace him for spacing purposes, taking like three or four three point attempts per game <laughs> because we understand yeah. That he's going to just get the ball on offense less now. So, like, let's just try to embrace the spacing angle of it. Or does that just totally neutralize what he's good at and, and it's not even something that should be in the conversation? If they need a stretch big, I don't think it's going to be DeAndre Aiden. I think you they're think probably... they're just going to go after a strict, strict Yeah, <laughs> probably go after someone who's actually good at that. 
well, it's funny because I think do the things he's good at. Yeah. They wanted Jock to be that stretch big too, a little bit. Yeah. I think, and that he's just, made one three. In I the think Jock's <laughs> he's awesome at other stuff, but he's not that. Yeah, how nice would it be be if he could just? I mean, he'd make a lot more money. It's like the Josh Okogie experience, right? If if Jock Landau could hit threes and continue playing, because for those who don't don't look at the numbers as often as Sam and I do, the numbers for Jock Landale's defense at the rim are like absurdly good, really, really good. One of the best bench defenders at the rim so far this season. And if he could shoot threes and do that, I mean, you just become insanely valuable uh, in this league. And yeah, he can't so far. <laughs> Uh, if that works, I don't know if Jock will be back. He, uh, for those who don't know too, uh, is not signed for on any team, not with the Suns next year. So he's going to be a free agent. I'm not sure if he's done enough to n- not be a minimum player, but if he has, he's probably not back. I think he's still a minimum player, but it's yeah. going to be an interesting conversation. Uh, um, let's see. Anything else on DeAndre? Yeah. Not on DeAndre. Not on DeAndre. Okay. I want to hop ahead to something I expected, something we expected, mm-hmm. but I do also want to pat myself on the back a little bit here. All right. I said on the pod, uh-huh. are we sure that the defense isn't better <laughs> Yeah. Okay. with Katie and Akogi versus Bridges because everyone was, was sounding the alarm mm-hmm. about the defense post-trade mm-hmm. through three games, folks. Okay. Small sample size theater. Here, here we, we are. Here we go. The Suns defense, I'm just saying, the Suns defensive rating on the season is 112. That was already pretty good. They were sixth in the NBA. Their defensive rating through the last three games is 111. Boom. <laughs> there we go. I got QED. so much more for that. Are you ready? Our, our defense, it's it's better. It's better. There we go. The Suns start with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Josh Okoge, Kevin Durant, and DeAndre Ayton. That lineup has a 129 offensive rating, which is absurd. Amazing. The defensive rating for those five players is 92, which is a plus 37 net rating. The defense for the starters has been so good so far this season. You know, think about defensively overall, there have been some struggles, as you talked about. The defense has gotten better, as you said, overall. But once we get into the playoffs and the minutes for these guys start to ramp up, Dallas game notwithstanding, where they played a ton of minutes anyway, uh, I think you could see the Suns have some a pretty great defensive team overall. And I think, like, like you said, small sample size, uh, a Charlotte's but, game is in there. Yeah. Know? But, yeah, I think even still. But it's it also good. the stuff that we expected to see, we are seeing. They are being more aggressive in their pick-and-roll coverage because they are enabled to do that based on KD's weak side rim protection. We're seeing KD's rim side, <clears throat> his, his weak side rim protection. Yeah. Last night, in uh, last night, I should stop doing that. Two nights ago, for, <laughs> for those listening out, or fuck, when was it? Sunday, Sunday. afternoon. Morning. Sorry. <laughs> Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, whenever the hell it was, versus the Mavs. Yeah. Fourth quarter, KD had a critical block. Uh, on Kyrie uh, on a drive where Aiton was pulled away from the rim. KD was lurking under the rim and he's able to protect the rim in a way that Jay Crowder or Cam Johnson wouldn't be able to. Josh Okoge is picking up stocks, steals and blocks just as we expected. And in general, the Suns are going to have more of that event creation on a per game basis going forward. They just are. It's stuff we expected. Yep. They're good. Yeah. They're a good defensive team. There's nothing to worry about. You know, (laughs) I think, you know, the obvious players, I think, that are sort of standing out as potential targets are Chris Paul and so far DeAndre Ayton, who hasn't been his best so far this season. 
haven't seen a lot of targeting Chris Paul. His hands have been all over the place this season, and I think he's he's creating a lot more steals. And I think people are a little afraid to to bring the ball and dribble the ball too much around him if they start to target him. I imagine that will ramp up in the playoffs, but even before Kevin Durant was here, you just haven't seen a ton of targeting. Chris Paul, I think we just we don't see teams target Devin Booker in general anymore. I think we're just past that with him. Too strong, too smart. He's a good defender, takes it personally. Um, but yeah, I think uh, DeAndre Ayton, I think the, the thing with DeAndre Ayton is they're going to continue. Teams are going to continue to try to put him in the scenario where he has to make a lot of decisions in a short period of time. So, you know, teams are screening guys and he's kind of in the middle of guarding two guys and they'll try to take advantage of that. That's basketball. That's that's what happens when you're a center. And uh, it's up to him to play well. But so far, like you said, it's been good. I think it'll be interesting to see if DeAndre Ayton keeps sort of the high fouls up so far. He's been in foul trouble, I think, two uh, out of these three games. And I, I hope that's not, well, kind of all of these games. Five fouls in Charlotte, four in Chicago, five in Dallas. And I just yeah. hope that's not something that continues with him. I have to go back and, and, and really watch on a foul per foul basis. Because, I don't know, do you think that's... And a, a being too aggressive thing, or it's just that that could have been. It doesn't stick out in my mind that that's exactly. I, I I can't remember honestly. Yeah, that'll be so interesting. I'd have to watch that. It's not easy to track down fouls to watch them again. You have to watch the whole game. Um, on on that note, since we're just talking about it, Monty went to to Kevin Durant at center in the Dallas game, and uh, I had this on something we didn't expect. It's not to say that I didn't expect Kevin Durant to play center at all for the Suns, but the entire first half, DeAndre Ayton was the only big to play. And when DeAndre Ayton was out of the game in the first half in Dallas, Kevin Durant was at center. And it was really interesting to see with Kevin Durant at center because he's handling the ball as the lone big on the floor. They play Christian Wood, so it kind of makes sense for them to try to do that. Then he has little guys setting screens for him because that's all that's out there, right? So it's just a bunch of little guys setting screens for him, trying to force the switch. Of course, they trap. Those kinds of things are happening. Now, we need this to happen. The Suns need to get good at it. I'm not sure that they need a ton of reps with the bench guys doing it, but maybe it's smart for him to do that. It's a nice time to try it. I think Christian Wood, as the opposing center, probably makes the most sense to give it a try didn't yeah. go very well in the dallas game though and well, but then, i know. think i think it's important to point out the christian wood aspect of it because you know we know this about monty at this point we know from his conversations about the fifth starter and if he wants to go a kogi or craig or he's a matchups guy he matchups are very important for him and i think christian wood was one thousand percent kind of the only catalyst there in his decision to put kd at the five at that particular moment so I think this is going to continue to be a, a decision that's made sparingly for the next few weeks. I am glad to see that he did it at least once so early. Yeah. Um, and I do think on paper, even if it didn't work out great the first time, uh, KD defensively is a guy who neutralizes a lot of what Christian Wood does best. It was a good decision to make in the moment. And, uh, and yeah, I hope he continues to go to it. Yep. It'll be interesting to see how much they use that for the rest of the season. I'm not sure if it's just going to be, as you said, when the matchup dictates it, or if they're going to try to force the other team to react to them. And that's the advantage of having Kevin Durant. I'd like to see it with Devin Booker on the floor and not without him because we really didn't see it with Devin Booker on the floor. I understand it's tough. You're trying to find the right minutes for your best players, put them on the court 
at the same time, and that includes DeAndre Ayton. Uh, but there's got to be at some point, give us Devin Booker, Kevin Durant minutes with Kevin Durant at center. Let's just see it. I just want to see it. Uh, any other thoughts on that one? No. Nope, you got so. any more? Uh, do you have any more? I have, I think, well, I have two that we've talked about, but we could still mention. Okay. I have uh, a joke one. Okay. Do you want to do that? <laughs> we'll save that for last. Okay, uh, sure. Okay. Booker is scoring more than I anticipated. So we talked about this. Now, I expected Devin Booker to score less to start. I thought there would be some level of adjustments being made, things changing. It's not really the case. And I think what I didn't really factor in to my thoughts when it came to this was the fact that they're playing worse offensive players outside of their core four guys now. And that means that it kind of makes sense for Devin Booker to take even more control over the offense, right? It's no longer Cam Johnson and Mikel Bridges taking some of those shots from Devin Booker. Now it's Josh Okogie, Ish Wainwright, Terrence Ross. You know, it's it's just a different scenario. So, I mean, it's a lot of points. He's averaging 36 points per game. Like you said, the touches are way up. The shots are way up. Still seven the, assists. For me, it's the shots is the big thing because points can go up or down depending on efficiency. But if you're consistently taking four or five more shots than yes. you were before, yeah. that's, that's a trend. That's not going to go away. And like it looks great. I, I think it's cool to see Devin Booker just sort of go. It's still I'm still Devin Booker, right? There's no passing the ball back and forth to each other and trying to figure it out. Um, but you know, 25 shots a game, it's a lot. There's <laughs> so no far for there's Devin no Booker. I'm the captain now situation going on here with KD. It's still this is still Booker's team. Yeah. I don't really care about the whole discussion of whose team it is. It's just <laughs> I I actually find it interesting that no one in the greater national media landscape has tried to start shit about that yet. But I think the guys are, are all on the same page about they're just trying to win. So it doesn't really matter. And I, okay. I got one more. Are you at all? I didn't know where to put this. Are you at all concerned about Monty just sort of ignoring the minutes restriction for Kevin Durant? Uh, what, what were the exact minutes that he played? They he, never so say, played f- okay. So yeah. What were the minutes no. he played? Yeah, he played 40 against Dallas, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what did he do in the previous two? Let me bring it up. I have it right here. Give me just a second. 40 against Dallas and let's see, 30 <laughs> against Chicago, 26 against Charlotte. And I think, by the way, 25 was what it was supposed to be in Charlotte. So over in all three of these games is what we can really expect. What would you do in his situation? If I was Monty? You're, you're, you're going into that, yeah. Yeah, you're going into that Dallas game. There's a bit going of an into emotional thing about beating Dallas, right? You want to like, win that fucking yeah, game, Mike. Yeah. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're going to play him 35 minutes and lose the game by one? But there is the last game that Devin Booker played before his injury. I know. <laughs> was against New Orleans. And there was some level of you need to win this game. It's against New Orleans. They've been talking shit. And you want to win. Devin Booker plays the entire second half, then misses 29 games. Here's the thing. KD has agency. I think <laughs> I think we should trust him a little bit. Like it I I'd like to trust him that he's not going to actively play through pain that he's going to know if something's off. I don't know, man. I I just I'm not personally worried about this. Like, why I'm a are little you worried? worried. I'm just a You're little worried. worried. That's all. <laughs> I just don't want look, the Suns are a team with 3 
injury-prone players, I think we could say at this point, that need to be healthy for them to win a title. And yeah, I just want them to be as careful as possible. I, I understand the importance emotionally to the team and even to the fan base of beating Dallas in probably their most watched game of the year so far. You know, just kind of keep these I get guys it. healthy. That's all I, I want. It. Keep these guys I, healthy. I think minutes restrictions are very much guidelines more than they are rules. Yeah, of course. It's and not like, yeah. At the end of the day, that's what we're seeing here. It's like expiration dates on food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. Next game, hopefully we don't see 40 minutes. Mon- Monty picks up Kevin Durant, smells him a little, and says, no, I think he's good. <laughs> Just pushes him in. <laughs> uh, what do you got? What's your last joke one here? Uh, it, well, it's not even really a joke. I was just, <laughs> okay. why are people mad? Why are people <laughs> mad after wins? That's what we didn't expect. That's true. <laughs> Don't be mad. I'm not mad. Be happy. I'm happy. Okay. I'm glad All we right. glad we fixed that. We litigated that one. <laughs> uh, you got anything else you wanted to say about that? Absolutely not. When's uh, <laughs> when's the next game? What's our next pod? <laughs> couple days for now what are we doing yeah, thursday i think we got to record thursday patreon okay, we'll podcast thursday got is it. a game wednesday will and that'll be kevin durant's first home game uh so that will be fun wow for, for fans to actually get to see do you have a jersey uh, yet i don't know i haven't Neither even been I. to the team shop yet yeah uh, but i imagine there's gonna be a lot of kd jerseys he's, he's gonna get to he's gonna get to hear it you know suns fans are gonna get the opportunity to cheer for him and uh you know the only opportunity they've had so far is that weird public press conference that they had um but yeah now they'll have an opportunity to do it in person i don't remember who the game is against do you remember uh, is it the kings no that's uh no it's uh kings is saturday bring it up it is okc again okc nice yeah we play them a lot you know it's kind of will be back by then but it'd be interesting if he is Speaking of jerseys and KD jerseys and who has one and who doesn't have one, this experience of going to a Nets game yesterday was really bizarre because I, first of all, the Nets fan base is not, maybe they're just kind of like this, but I've never seen fewer jerseys worn in an NBA arena, <laughs> I think, than what I saw last night. Because they and all I was have kind of, Kyrie and KD jerseys in the camera. I was reflecting on it and I was like, there were a few people who already had Bridges jerseys that were current and I was wearing my Bridges Suns jersey to rep. <laughs> but but for the most part like yeah if you're a if you're a Nets fan what the hell are you supposed to do right now like you're going to wear a <laughs> I guess maybe like maybe I expected more people to have like old Spencer Dinwiddie jerseys that they could dig out of their closet or something but <laughs> Who they, has people a Spencer Dinwiddie people just weren't wearing jerseys so <laughs> Do you see any Suns fans there? Uh n- actually no. I was the only no? one that I saw. Did you from... wear your Mikael Bridges jersey to that game? Yeah, just yeah, of course. <laughs> that of course. rules. <laughs> I All believe right. there. I'm sure there are other Suns fans in the crowd. We're everywhere. All right, we're over an hour, so we'll we'll <laughs> let this one end here. Uh, right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you want extra podcasts, we do an extra one every week on Patreon. Patreon.com/slash the timeline. Six dollars a month for extra podcasts every week. As little as three dollars a month if you want to join our Discord, where we have lots of conversations about the Suns and honestly everything else. Uh, so feel free to join us there. But we appreciate you all, and we will be back on Thursday.
whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.